Hello, my name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to this podcast of Mercy Unbound. Today, I interview Dr. Stephen Mattingly, a microbiologist who has a fascinating theory on how the image of the Shroud of Turin was formed. To my knowledge, he's the only one that has been able to reproduce such an image. I think you'll find the show fascinating as he uh, feels science can explain the image, but of course it cannot explain where the body went. Thanks for joining us and I hope you enjoy this fascinating show. Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Brian Thatcher and welcome to Mercy Unbound. It's a show that aims to provide hope, an avenue for healing, and one that will help you understand and then live the great mercy of God. I brought back Dr. Stephen Mattingly. Uh, a while back, we did show one on, on his book, uh, The Jesus Microbiome. And Stephen, that's available at Amazon, correct? Or where, where the, okay. Or any bookstore, really. Okay. And in it, we discussed... Stephen's a doctor in microbiology and his thoughts on how the shroud was actually formed. Uh, I believe that was show 36 or something like that. You might want to go back and look at that one, but we're going to get a, into a little more of the biochemistry today and ask some questions that after I watched the first one, I thought I should have asked this and I should have asked that. And um, what I hope you leave with today is really and understanding, we're not trying to make you microbiologists, but we are trying to make you understand. We have an explanation. He's figured out, we believe, he believes the, how the image was formed. And as he's told me several times, it doesn't explain where the body went. To me, it's a perfect combination of science and faith. This image will be discussed, but there's no evidence the body was moved and there's no evidence of the body. So that's where faith comes in. But welcome again, Dr. Mattingly. You live out in Texas, and I'm happy to have you back on Mercy Unbound. Well, thank you again for the invitation. You know, let's just talk a little bit about the setting of how you believe the shroud was formed. And we're talking bacteria, a microbiologic phenomena. How was the body of Jesus a tremendous microbiologic medium for bacterial growth? Sure. Uh, you know, as starting at really the beginning, the, the crucifixion was a biological event. And it started with a man that was uh, crucified and then uh, died on the cross and was buried. Uh, so we know a lot about, uh, about the biology of what happened because we have pathologists that have looked at the shroud and they tell us a great deal of information about what Jesus went through during the crucifixion. So we have some biology, but we don't have anything in terms of a microbiology. And that's where I come in. I've been a microbiologist for 33 years, uh, particularly a medical microbiologist. So I have taught medical students and dental students, nursing students. Uh, so. I'm very familiar with the the uh, the medical as the medical microbiology aspect of of what probably happened during the crucifixion, just following the events, and and then if I were there with a the culture medium, what would I do, and and what would I expect to find? So you know, beginning with the um, 
you know, when they arrested Jesus, there's a time element here, probably anywhere from six to eight hours before he died. So it was probably early in the morning, six, seven o'clock, uh, that time period. And then he was arrested. And uh, I'm sure uh, they asked him a thousand questions and uh, they finally brought him out for trial. And uh, of course the mob wanted him crucified. So he was sent back and was scourged at the pillar. We know he had his hands up in the air and they beat him on the back, although the, the, uh, the marks uh, do come around to the front of the body also. So stop right there. What is the effect of that beating? The, the effect is that the body begins to bleed. Okay, the, the Roman guards were expert at, at crucifying people. And, and the idea was they wanted them to suffer as long as possible. So when they, they um, whipped Jesus, uh, the, the, the whip, the, the, uh, the, the fragments of, of bone and so on that they used at the end of the whip went in just a little bit, just enough to start oozing of the blood. And this continued throughout the entire crucifixion. Uh, people have counted over a hundred different abrasions caused by the whipping. So just that right there, you know, you're already starting into a situation where there's blood on the body. The second thing they did was uh, implanted a crown of thorns. And the pathologists tell us it was not a crown, but it was a mat uh, of thorns. It was, or a cap that covered the entire head. And then they, uh, to be sure it stayed there, they beat it into the top of his skull. Now we all have had head wounds and we know how they bleed. So that caused immediate bleeding and, and it continued throughout the entire crucifixion. Uh, earlier today, I looked up to see how much blood one can lose and still be alive. And we can lose up to 40% of, of our blood, which is about a half a gallon. Uh, after that, we die. So uh, during this time period, we can imagine that Jesus is, is losing probably half of his blood through, these, through, through the crown of thorns and the beating, and then later hanging on the cross. So now we've got a, a, a body completely covered in blood. And during the, uh, during the crucifixion, uh, they forced him to carry the cross beam. And the pathologists tell us what this did to his back and shoulders. Uh, we know uh, that from the record on the shroud, but this exertion caused a great deal of sweating. And, and uh, this, the sweat mainly is sodium chloride. Well, there was no one there to wipe off the blood. There was no one there to wipe off the sweat. So it accumulated on the body. So now we're in a situation microbiologically where we've got a, a very rich nutrient. The blood contains sugar, glucose, it contains amino acids, it contains growth factors, it contains vitamins, everything that uh, Staphylococcus epidermidis, I'm, I'm gonna start calling it Staph epi because it's too long, the name is too long, uh, began to grow. Staph epi is one of a thousand different organisms that's found on uh, our skin and Jesus, like us, well, human had Staphylococcus epidermidis on his, on his body. It's, it's a, a Staph epi is a primary organism uh, on the skin. And the, 
the the uh, blood is the medium we use to grow staph epi. Steve, so, if I could, I'm going to put up a slide now of, of the staph epi uh, growing in the blood auger. Um, um, it, it forms a white colony. So this is what would begin to grow very rapidly uh, on the, uh, the body of Jesus. There's nothing to stop it. The other thing is that with this uh, accumulation of sweat and salt on the skin, uh, Staph epi is probably one of the few organisms that's capable of growing because uh, normally uh, sodium chloride and sweat inhibits the growth of other bacteria. So this organism doubles every uh, 30 minutes. In other words, one colony becomes two, four, eight, 16, 30, and in a very short period of time, you can reach extremely high numbers. And we're just guessing that maybe at one particular site on the body, there may be a thousand colonies within a certain uh, centimeter. If you do the calculations over six to eight hours, that's over 20 to 40 million uh, colonies per uh, that centimeter area by the time you die. So uh, for all you medical microbiologists, there it is. There's okay. a little. Yeah, there it is. So you can see the grapes and the clusters and just now, Steve, what effect did the temperature, the heat of the day have on all this and bacterial growth? The, uh, that's, that, that's a really good question because the body temperature probably didn't change from what it normally was, 98 or 37 Celsius, 98 Fahrenheit. So, you know, Jesus' body was actually like an incubator. We'd, we'd take that plate and put it in the incubator and let it grow. Well, this, this his body was growing it by itself. And it, re, it reached levels that you don't ever see. I mean, I think this is a one, one unique event that occurred in the history of man to have an individual crucified like this, bleeding with completely, his body is completely covered with blood and allowing his own bacteria to reach levels that we never ever see. Now, what was the nature of the shroud linen then that covered him? What was that made up of biochemically? The shroud that, that covered Jesus was, uh, it's a linen uh, and it's composed of cellulose. That's the major component of linen. It's basically glucose molecules hooked together through a beta, beta 1,4 linkage. And that is important because uh, the beta 1,4 linkage, I don't want to get too technical, but we don't have many bacteria or fungi that can break that down above ground. Can you see the... Uh... I see the cellulose. You see right. the, the oxygen in the center? Yes. Uh, See that little line that comes above it? That's called a beta linkage. In other words, these, the glucose is on a plane and this linkage is from above. And we don't uh, have the enzymes to break this down. So, you know, this is like paper. You know, that's why books last for a very long time. If we keep them above ground, if you take a book and bury it in the ground with some water and look at it a month later, you'll see that the bacteria and fungi in the soil will quickly break it down. That's why farmers uh, till the soil to get all the cellulose material from the 
the plant that's left over into the soil so that the bacteria and fungi can break it down and, and, and make nutrients out of it for the, for the new planting season. And for the people watching this, the, the carbon there, the C is carbon, which wouldn't that have been absorbed into the, uh, well, wouldn't the bacteria from the contain carbon because they're living things, wouldn't that have been absorbed into the shroud then kind of increasing the carbon content dramatically? Well, the, the, what happened, the reason uh, the carbon dating is, is wrong is because all the organisms, the bacteria and fungi that fall on it through the ages. Uh, that's one experiment we do in the class that we, we set out a nutrient auger plate and for one hour, take the lid off and let the students look at it the next day. And they'll usually find 15, 20 colonies on it. They didn't know that they were in the air, but they are there and they're falling constantly. That's why they fell on the shroud. And over the years, and some of them grew a little bit, some of them became nutrients for other bacteria falling on it. And that's why you, we can't rely on the carbon dating uh, of, of the shroud because the, the, what that uh, slide you showed, the cellulose, that's the same chemical composition that we see in the cell walls of bacteria and fungi. So there's no way to distinguish between the two. And so it, you know, it, the, the shroud, if you just left it out, it would look like it's getting younger and younger and younger if you took samples. So there's no way we can ever carbon date the shroud. Now, for those who didn't take biology in high school or college, we've got the sugars, the carbohydrates, we've got proteins, and we got the uh, fats. Let's talk about the proteins don't seem to play as much of a role in the shroud development, correct? The but the proteins will, will certainly they have carbon, so they're gonna they're gonna skew the carbon dating. So you know they they're mainly as you know made up of amino acids, but amino acids contain carbon. So they're gonna add to the problem. Uh, proteins will certainly add to the problem. But weren't the unsaturated or saturated fats important as oils in the production of the 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 uh, the membrane of bacteria and fungi, as well as the, let's say the, the, the uh, epithelial cells that came off the body of Jesus, all have cell membranes. And the cell membrane is, is made up of, uh, among other things, phospholipids, fatty acids, saturated and unsaturated fatty acids. And it's the composition that allows the membrane to stay kind of in a fluid, uh, semi-fluid uh, situation. So nutrients can pass into and, and, and uh, out of the cell. So it, it's a passage system and it, it, uh, it, it will play, it plays a major role uh, if you want to discuss the, the color that we see on the shroud. Before we do that, I want to ask you though, you've got this shroud and you've got Jesus just covered in blood, plasma, bacteria, uh, sweat. Wouldn't that be like, wouldn't the linen like be like a sponge and kind of soak that up and adhere to the body more? The, 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 definitely. Uh, remember that they cleaned the body when they got the body down and they, they cleaned it thoroughly. I mean, you know, this has really taught me what 
what the body looked like at crucifixion. Yet, you mind if I say something about it? Sure. Um, the the body, as I say, is completely covered in blood, and these bacteria have been producing uh, more cells, but they also are producing a very sticky substance. It's called a polysaccharide. It's actually a sugar. It's a very sticky sugar, and that is. Uh, that is all over the body of Jesus. And because of that, you know, it's like putting sucrose on the body. It's going to attract flies and bugs. So my vision now of Jesus nailed to the cross is a swarm of insects surrounding the body and, and Jesus trying to close his eyes and open his eyes and that sticky polysaccharide, the salts getting into his eyes he is suffering like like no one can suffer. They washed the body of Jesus after the crucifixion. Was that a helpful or a hindrance in the in the formation of the image? Because while they washed the bacteria, didn't they spread them all around? That 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 was crucial. That really was important. For one thing, they cleaned the body. I mean, can you imagine what he looked like? They had, to, they had to get the dirt and the, and the bugs and everything else off the body, get it out of his hair. You know, he had a ponytail. Um, and they had to clean it, um, you know, thoroughly, which would not take that long. In the process of cleaning the body, they noticed that the body was beginning to get really sticky. And they, they continued cleaning it, trying to get that sticky off. You can't get it off because you know, it belongs there. That's, that's, that's where it lives. And that was, just, due, wasn't that due to the normal process of these millions and millions of bacteria making the polysaccharides? That's so. exactly right. That's exactly right. I, I, you know, when I did coated my hand and did it, I, I, I couldn't get it all. I had to use Ajax uh, or Comet to get, finally get it all off my hand because it was so sticky. Um, so yes, but you know, if you let the skin dry, you would never, you'd never know that it was there. There, there you, uh, you my explain, left hand- Explain is, what happened there, Steve. Okay, that, that my left hand is the one that I coated with uh, my own skin bacteria. And I, it, it was amazing. Um, as I removed the linen from my hand, it just, it pulled the, the hair out of the back of my hand, very painful but it left my hand, you can see where, where, the, where uh, it looks like I've removed liquid from it. It looks like my hand is aged in the left, on the left side. That gives you an idea how strong that, that polysaccharide is in pulling water from the body. So it, the body of Jesus, there was some uh, moisture left in it and it pulled that moisture out of his body and into the linen. And, and, but it was such a tight adhesion to the body. It was like a photographic film. Uh, and, it, you know, it, when I did it, I, 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 uh, I coated my hand and then I, I put a, a, a linen cloth over it, moistened it, and just allow, allowed it to dry. And it took about a half hour, but I noticed that my hand wasn't shaking, but it, it moved a little bit. And wherever it moved, there was a blur. So mm -hmm. that, that traveling, it was like a film. 
and that's why we get such an exquisite uh, image, particularly in, in the photographic negative, uh, because he was obviously dead, was not moving like me. I was moving a little bit. And, um, and you can see where I was because it blurred a little bit. But I don't know if you have the image to show that. But Yeah, be before I show you the image, though, um... Again, I want to summarize. You've got the bacteria making polysaccharide a glue, and they're depositing all this carbon. The proteins are depositing carbon, so that's going to totally mess up the aging. The shroud is the shroud is glucose, it, but it's sucking in, taking the water in. Well, let's discuss the oils. What what effect did the fats, unsaturated, saturated, have on the yellowish discoloration? Okay. The, um, when you look at the shroud, you see a, a, a kind of a straw yellow color. And when I first started working on it, I thought, you know, that, that looks like some lipids that I used to extract and, and uh, do chromatography on and allow them to dry and they would turn yellow like that. So when I did my hand and I pulled it off, within 30 minutes, it was completely yellow. So I, I, you know, that was a clue to me that, hey, these, this color is due to unsaturated fatty acids that when they come in contact with oxygen, they produce a, a high energy radical that damages the lipid and, and it turns it yellow. So and that's a major point though, right? I mean, that's- That's a major point, yes. That's the gist of the whole thing really, uh, or at least how, what, what doesn't that happen every day when in our shirts or how can the average person understand that? Well, that, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, that is the basis for ring around the collar. And they have detergents now that take care of it. But back when I was growing up and I had a white shirt, I noticed that I would get this yellow color and my mom would do my clothes and hand them back to me and the yellow color would still be there. And the next time it, it, it started getting darker and darker. And um, yeah, that is the, that's the bacteria from my neck, back of my neck, that are constantly in touch with that. They're transferring the bacteria from and my epithelial cells to the uh, the, the uh, shirt, and then it, as soon as oxygen hits it, it turns yellow. Uh, so the the shroud is really an oil painting. It's made from, it's, it's an oil painting made from the unsaturated fatty acids that have been oxidized. And because it's oil, it'll be there a long, long time. Uh, there are also uh, saturated fatty acids that result from the oxidation to break up some of the fatty acids. And uh, they also have an, a yellow color. Uh, and these are water soluble. The oils are not. But over time, the, the uh, water-soluble fatty acids will, will disappear. I mean, that's why in paintings, uh, color paintings, you always see uh, some kind of uh, coating over it, uh, a glass or plastic, uh, whereas oil paintings don't need any protection. They're fine the way they are. So the shroud is really an oil painting made from the bacteria and the skin cells of the man of the shroud. And let's go over again that washing of the body, because the first time I 
heard that, I thought, well, wouldn't that have taken off all the bacteria and the chemicals, the oils? But you mentioned the polysaccharides made like a glue. That gotcha. that didn't yeah. happen. Is that correct? The 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 uh, the, fatty, the, uh, the bacteria produced these these polysaccharides that basically glue the bacteria to our skin and, and you know they they can cause problems and in, indwelling catheters too i mean these guys will stick to anything so they stick very nicely to linen and that's what happened they were there was more more demand more force um, more suction ability towards the linen than it was to stay with the body right and we don't know the nature of the body after death Pathologists tell us that he wasn't there very long. He wasn't there. There was no decay evident in the shroud. So I'm assuming he was, he dematerialized from the linen within a few hours after he died. He had better things to do. And really, aren't you saying though, to make this clear again, you feel you've explained how the shroud image was formed, but there's no attempt on your part to explain where the body went, because he... yes. uh, I, I had a good uh, microbiology friend read my book and give me the toughest criticism he could. And he came back and he said, well, you definitely, he said, I love the microbiology in it and you definitely proved the body was Jesus, but you know, you proved something else to me. He said, you proved to me that there is a God because only God could do what he did with that body after death. He dematerialized it and then it came, the body came back in another form. So I guess he, he I, I guess I convinced him to believe in God. Well, the thing I found fascinating was there, you know, science is always trying to disprove faith. But in this instance, it was appear that there's a collaboration of science and faith because you're not saying such and such on the body you can't explain that that's the faith part and um it, it's just fascinating to me that this all makes sense from a biologic standpoint now i'm going to put another picture up here steve and explain what this is all about if you would my wife is an artist uh, i asked her to paint an image of the shroud using uh my bacteria staph epi from my skin mix it with a little bit of water and just just do a quick image and see what the color looks like. And this is what she showed me after it was finished. You know, in science, though, uh, you make a hypothesis, you evaluate it, but the work must be reproducible. You, you've, in essence, reproduced this, haven't you? Oh, yes, many times. And I've had students uh, do their own hand images. I have to be very careful because we're putting staph epi on at levels that you don't normally see. So you never want to put it on a hand that has a cut in it or anything like that. Uh, I did my face, uh, which was a very scary business. And uh, I don't know if you have any images of it. I also did my face uh, and I don't, I, I discourage anybody from doing that because we don't know if you get it in the eye at these concentrations, what it would do to the eye. So. Uh, don't do your face, but I did mine, and uh, it was quite an experience. I did my face, but without touching near my eyes. 
and it, it gave a reasonable image. But like I say, this is this is dangerous, and and I I don't recommend it for anybody else. You know, I think we've kind of explained. We got these. We got bacteria. We got proteins. The bacteria with their glucose. The, the linen was made of cellulose, complex carbohydrates. We got the fats and um, the unsaturated fats with the oils. Um, this has all been amazingly reproducible. But what? Any other thoughts you have on anything before we close out today's show, Steve? I think when you think of the crucifixion and death of Jesus, you have to look at it as an event that there were many aspects to it. And each one is like a little puzzle. And you, you have to take these pieces and put them together and, 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 to, and assemble the whole thing to, to get a story. And honestly, I, I wouldn't expect anybody out there to be able to do this other than someone like me that, that's a medical microbiologist that also has a very good background in biochemistry to see their relationships. You know, it, you know, we did, we, we haven't figured it out up to this point because we just, that individual just wasn't there. And I guess I was picked to do it, but I, I have all the confidence in the world that this is it. People I've talked to other scientists, their comment is, you know, why wasn't this done earlier? Um, it, it, we, you know, you start with biology. I mean, the death was a biological event. And how did it happen? And, and all these things fit together. And, and then you're left with the big question mark at the end, what happened to the body? And, you know, I, this last Easter, when I, I was at church listening to all this and thinking, and, and, and the apostles finding the shroud and, 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 and knowing Yes, this was really him, I believe. It just gives me such a thrill to know that I, I played a part in this. You know, there's a lot of scientific work for over the last 20 years or so. Scientists believe that this was some, some radiation effect that when Jesus rose from the dead, the energy was released from protons and um, atomic particles. But to my knowledge, they've never been able to reproduce it. And, and you have done something here that I think is amazing. Well, let me make a comment about that because my understanding of, of a supernatural event, you can't take natural phenomena and say, and cause a supernatural event. I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know of any example of that. You can't take radiation or light energy and use that to say, this cause, this is, you know, result of the resurrection. Um, resurrection was a unique event. Only time it'll ever happen. Uh, we'll never understand it. Science can spin all the wheels it wants. It'll never be able to explain it. And we don't need to explain it. You know, we, we you know, the shroud is, is our proof. And I hope someday that the church will recognize the significance of the shroud I like to see it in every church. So right beside the crucifix, so we can see the, the, the death of Jesus, what happened, and also his rising from the shroud. I mean, it just makes such a story. Well, and, you know, 
while you were talking, I was thinking, no, I think a lot of people lost their interest in the shroud after the carbon 14 dating, but as more comes out, it was flawed. So keep the faith. And we know that the shroud superimposed with the divine mercy image, it's a match and it's fascinating. So this, this is kind of like faith, faith coming alive again. So, um, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's the most precious gift that we have from Jesus. Yeah. Well, people, I would encourage you to get the Jesus microbiome. You can Google it. You can go to Amazon. You can find it in many bookstores. Um, Stephen Mattingly, Steve, Stephen Mattingly, the doctor of microbiology with uh, a mutual friend, Roy Varghese. And uh, just reflect on this. Watch this show over and over, because I think even if you don't know any microbiology, you got to come to say, hey, this makes a lot of sense. And uh, again, faith tells us Jesus rose from the dead and the shroud tells us his body wasn't moved. So people, I want to thank you for joining me today on Mercy Unbound. Dr. Mattingly, thank you so much. It's a joy and an honor to have you back on and uh, keep up the great work. And I hope to see you again on Mercy Unbound. Thank you. I'd be happy to come back and answer any questions. Thank, thank you so much. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video portion. The podcast can be heard at anchor.com fm slash dr brian b-r-y-a-n thatcher t-h-a-t-c-h-e-r and on all the major podcast forums i would love to speak at your church or conference and please consider supporting our efforts to spread the truth to a hurting world thank you again and for more information go to the website at drbrianthatcher.com